Hi, welcome to Go Tell Mom. I'm Diana Kelly, and I've been momming for several decades, including tending my fur babies, kids I gave birth to, kids I mentored as a broadcaster and college instructor, my kids' friends, and my friends. I'm not a psychologist or doctor, but I do know how to dig up advice from those who are, and that's what I'll share with you. If you have something to share with me, remark, comment, question, please comment below. So we'll start out with something that all families wrestle with, sleep. When I was a kid, I always thought my mom made me go to bed way too early, like 7.30 p.m. when I was nine. Now, RaisingChildren.net says kids between 5 and 11 need between 9 and 11 hours of sleep each night. And my mom would get us up at 6.30 a.m. to get ready for school. So if we're talking 10 hours, that would mean bedtime should be 8.30, which is when nine-year-old me thought I should be going to bed. I was not sleepy at 7.30. Now, I've heard of kids doing the drink of water and or hissy fit routine to get to stay up later. But when you're raised by a pair of parents who are over six feet tall, you learn early not to argue with them. I would just sneak my favorite book under my pillow and read by streetlight, which shone right into my window. Not the best thing in the world for my eyesight, and I'm paying for it now. But it kept peace in the house at the time, and I got my extra hour, which was one less hour of bad dreams from watching scary stuff on TV that I wanted to stay up and watch. Thought I was so smart, but it put me in bad sleeping habits like reading way too late and being exhausted the next day. Now, parents trying to avoid this scenario might want to follow a few suggestions from EmpoweringParents.com, like keeping kids away from screens an hour before bedtime, and having them listen to soft music, reading to them, quiet stuff, turn down the lights, baths before bed. Yeah, good luck with that. We had one bathroom growing up and three kids. I'm not sure how practical all these suggestions are because I can't picture any low volume in my house in the evening, especially if my dad was watching the Celtics lose. Book before bedtime? A lovely thought, but how many kids actually read books these days? I was considered the class nerd because I'd read any book that was on the table in study hall when I was in middle school. And they'd also have the table loaded up with all of these magazines, and I'd be reading those too, and not doing my homework. But if kids are nine and you're just getting them into the read-to-sleep habit, it's probably not going to work. I do remember camping out in my baby sister's room, though, when mom read Kabumpo of Oz to her. You know, I combed bookstores looking for that book when I had kids. But my kids were learning how to use computers in preschool. Getting them interested in bedtime stories was no easy task. And unfortunately, my older son had inherited mom's tendency toward nightmares and needed a nightlight on. Now, I was a little more vigilant with him than my parents were with me because I knew he'd probably come up with a similar option to early bedtime. And I let them stay up till 8.30. In my son's case, I had to hide his Nintendo. In my daughter's case, I probably could have put her to bed at 7.30 because she was out as soon as her head hit the pillow. At least think she was. Okay, so what hack do we have for the non-sleepers today? Instead of quiet time, try board games before bed. My kids, who are supposedly grown up now, love those. In fact, whenever they come over to my house and we're all together, we're playing Scrabble or Jenga or Yahtzee or whatever card game they come up with. No blue screens, which truly is the big problem today for little or big kids. They're playing with their phones. They're on their computer. Seriously, unplug them. Give them a chance to connect with you and their sibs and have fun. A cup of decaf hot chocolate, some cherry juice, which Healthline.com says is great for making fall asleep, some more milk, some chamomile tea. Once the game's over, they'll be ready to turn in. In fact, if they're losing, they might use bedtime as a reason to leave the game. Might have. 
For me, as a now single mom post-menopause, I'm still finding it hard to fall asleep. I run a college radio station. I'm a college professor. I do contract work for a commercial radio group. Lots of blue screens involved for most of my day. And trust me, the longer the screens are on, the more I'm on those screens, the more difficult it is for me to fall asleep. I also have a kid in her first post-college job who likes to call me at 9.45 p.m. to ask advice or vent. I'm working on getting family members, including my ex, not to call me in the evening for venting because as soon as I hang up, I know I'm not sleeping. I can't solve problems when I'm drifting towards sleep, and if they're not solved, they're keeping me awake. Now at 7 a.m., I can heal the world. I'm back from my morning walk with my dogs, cup of coffee in hand, chomping on a homemade scone, some Brubeck or Wyndham Hill on my CD player, ready to greet the day. Good time to call. At 5.30 p.m., I'm back from my evening walk with the dogs, watering my garden while dinner heats up and my dogs chow on theirs, and I'm still in solutions mode. Good time to call. Any time during the weekend, good time to call. But after 6.30 p.m., I do not want to deal with drama. I can't troubleshoot when offices are closed. Does this sound selfish? Absolutely. You need to take care of yourself, Mom. If you feel the weight of the world on your shoulders because you can't solve a loved one's problem at quarter of ten at night, it can trigger a number of insecurities that will keep you up at night, like all the things you think you're doing wrong in life. It's a domino effect, and that's one game you don't want at late night. So now I leave my phone downstairs so it doesn't wake me. I check messages in the morning after the walk and coffee to make sure no one got in trouble while I was inconsiderately sleeping. Offices open at 8, so if there's something I need to check, someone I need to call for family, I can get it done first thing. That's one box I check off towards sleep. I also try to unplug my other screens before bed, usually settling down with a good book. Yep, old habits, what can I say? Just a little warning about that. Do not get so engrossed in the story that you're reading it at 1 in the morning. I know if I'm reading after my eyes want to close, I'll be battling to sleep later. I just put the marker in my book, put the reading glasses away, turn out the light, and snuggle with my fur baby, who amazingly whines if I read past snuggle time. Good puppy. I will admit, I do a little binge-watching after dinner, which makes my older rescue dog feel a little more settled. He's a senior. He likes to plunk himself down next to whatever flat surface I'm parked on. It's nice. It's calming. I just have to make sure I don't get so calm that I drift off to sleep, because after that, there will be no solid night's rest. Falling asleep to TV on the couch, not a good thing. If it sounds like I'm being very vigilant about getting shut-eye, I am. When I don't have rest, I'm more likely to be cranky, more likely to do something klutzy, more likely to put off any projects I'd normally enjoy doing. Drivers who get six hours of sleep or less are a third more likely to have an accident on the road, according to sleepfoundation.org. And overly sleepy workers are 70% more likely to be involved in workplace accidents. I remember more than once fighting to keep my eyes open driving home from an event and being absolutely terrified when I realized I was falling asleep at a stoplight at a major intersection. This is not good for your health or your safety. Not getting enough sleep impacts everything from memory to reflexes. You accidentally delete a file in an important folder. You come this close to sideswiping your boss's car in the parking lot. Or you pull in too close to the wall and have to back up again and pull in again so you can get out of your car. Not that I've done any of these things. You're also more likely to take unwise risks. You spray ammonia into a toilet you dropped a bleach cake in last week. You actually listen to your daughter when she asks you to sign up on a dating app so she can get points. Yeah, I deleted the app after a few nights of decent sleep. 
kids and teens get cranky without sleep, and they're less likely to pay attention in class. Grown-ups aren't that different. How do you get through a 90-minute department meeting that has nothing to do with your specific job if you only had two hours of shut-eye? Not very well. Be good to yourself and the people you care about. Make sure you get sleep. Sometimes it starts with tucking them in first. Consider it a favor to you and to them. Losing sleep makes you and your family more susceptible to viruses, infections, and high blood pressure, and it can seriously impact your inflammation levels, according to thesleepdoctor.com. Feeling a little stiff on those mornings after a poor night's sleep? You might want to make an earlier date with your pillow. And if you want to prevent your kids from feeling stiff at your age, get them into proper sleeping habits now. Turn off the screens an hour before everyone should be falling asleep. Have regular bedtimes. I have no choice. If I sleep late, my senior dog usually has some unpleasantness waiting for me. No calls after a reasonable hour. Hey, it's a great excuse for making sure your kids get home at a reasonable hour. And if they question the reason, explain to them why they need a good night's sleep. Hey, thanks for listening to this first episode of Go Tell Mom, where we chew on stuff that you talk about with your mom. Or maybe not. I'm Diana Kelly. If there's something you want brought up, something you want to add, comment below, and I'll be back next week.